0: All right, well, here we are, final time together, at least in this series, and uh, grateful for you. This, is, I'm sure, has been a test of your sanctification, just being here, listening to the teaching on sanctification. So, um, but we're grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for, uh, Jeff, allowing me the opportunity to do that, and uh, encouraged by your faithfulness here. Let's take out our Bibles. We'll go to the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 3 in our time, brief time together this morning. As we try to wrap things up, I don't know about you, but uh, heaven seems a little sweeter to me today, mm-hmm. and uh, eternity seems a lot closer. <laughs> uh, the reality is that every any one of us in here is one heartbeat away from eternity, and there won't be time to be get ready. I've told this to several people. It's time to be ready. You need to stay ready, and you need to know christ you need to walk with him trust him as your savior and lord if you have not done that and then the bible says just as you received him by faith so walk ye in him so walk in him and that's been the walk of sanctification we've begun this road to glory together and there is an element to this that's not just an individual walk of sanctification there's a corporate level of this where we keep each other encouraged along the way accountable um confronted if necessary in areas where we fail and we need um, we need the brothers and the sisters of the church to help us think rightly and think correctly um, J- jane was encouraging me this morning about that and uh, the necessity of that so um, let's keep our hearts tuned keep us tuned keep our hearts tuned up to the scriptures and that's primarily what i want to close thing close the series out with we're going to Bypass some of the development and historic history of sanctification that I was started a few weeks ago to just kind of go right to the closing thought and I think if I were to press to give you a five, uh, give you a short distillation of everything we've said and compact it down in the most succinct and most clear and concise way I possibly could I, I couldn't do a better job than the Apostle Paul did in second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. So that would be where I'd like to take us this morning in, in our time together. 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 3, verse 18. And the title I'm calling this this morning is Beholding Glory and Becoming Holy. This is a very fascinating and very profound verse that sort of uh, summarizes all the salient and most important pieces of sanctification, puts them all together in kind of a, some, a very memorable a very uh, axiomatic passage that helps me think about what are we talking about when we talk about sanctification what is its, what is its essence what is what is its sum and substance what's the heart and soul of sanctification what it, what causes what is sanctification's purpose and how does it operate in my life if i want to answer that question succinctly i would give you a verse and that would be the second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 paul addressing the corinthians says this but we all With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be in your word this morning. Teach us from this passage once again and instruct us. Help us to coalesce all these ideas and thoughts that we've had as we thought studied your word, meditated upon it. Coalesce, Coalesce it together so it makes sense to us. And so that we can easily apply it and practice it in our daily lives. We thank you for your help in all of this. And by your Holy Spirit, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The primary impetus behind this, the primary thought, I should say, behind this verse is pretty simple at first blush. But it's really a very profound thought. The primary idea here is if you look at that verse, if, in fact, um, we have some, probably some, some teachers in the room here what's the main verb of this verse if I switch over here what do you see is the main verb of this verse can't really see it can you now all right we know what the subject is who's who's the action who's the subject of the action here like I didn't expect a grammar quiz this morning I'm not trying to give you a grammar quiz trust me all right so but we all this is a this is a phrase right with unveiled face we're Bypass that for a minute. Beholding in a, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord—that's another. Um, sorry, I'm gonna see if I can make, shrink this up a little bit. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Here's your main verb, right? Being transformed. We're not seeing your annotation. Oh, you're not seeing that. Yes. It. It's probably because 'cause you're in presentation mode. Ah. <laughs> thank sorry. you, Phil. You get, you get high marks today, brother. The rest of this class is thinking, he's just nuts. What's he talking about? Now I've lost the everything. Thanks, Bill. I'm asking my computer to do too many things. Anyway, we don't even need the visuals. You've got the Bible in front of you. So, Okay, now I'll go back to this visual. Hey, I love it. I love that we have the... <laughs> yeah. Now I'm not crazy, right? See? Okay, so being transformed is the main verb, right? So this is what sanctification really is all about. It's about the fact that we're being transformed, we're being changed in some spiritual and substantial way, even though it may be unseen at first and maybe has a, a more subtle change than what we might expect. There is indeed a change, right? If nothing changes, we have not really been sanctified. Sanctification is the transformation of from one degree of glory to the to the next. That's what you see here. We are being transformed, and by the way, we, that's your subject here, right? So you see that there. And from one degree of, uh, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And then this is coming from, or just as, this is according to, as a coming from the Lord. That's the source of our sanctification. The Lord himself is driving forward this action of sanctification in us. So it's not like we are undertaking this this duty to clean ourselves up and to you know to, to assume the full responsibility and burden of that. It's from the Lord, and namely the Holy Spirit operating in you. So there are several beautiful things that Paul puts together in this. And this whole idea of an unveiled face is so key in this passage because Paul is actually talking to the Corinthians in the context of their Old Testament, Old Covenant sort of paradigm, their Old Covenant understanding, and they're thinking in terms of a specific Old Testament passage, an Old Testament account about Moses. And you probably recall recall this from the book of Exodus. I think it's in Exodus chapter 34 about what took place there. Um, In fact, I have to switch back now to my PowerPoint and show you this verse. Okay, so... We have in Exodus chapter 34, the reference to Moses' dealing with the people of Israel. Remember, when he had ascended into the, onto Mount Sinai, and there spoke with the Lord, face to, almost face-to-face. Face. And that had a significant impact upon his, uh, not only him, himself spiritually, but even his physical and visible appearance was transformed by the contact he had just speaking with the Lord. Sorry, I'm going to get back on here and show you this verse. That, uh, the, primary, the primary point Paul is making in this passage is that we are changed specifically by beholding God's glory. <clears throat> by looking into the face of Jesus as it is in Scripture, that affects the transformation necessary that brings about holiness and transformation in your life. It's a simple suggestion, a simple thought, but this idea gets rehearsed over and over, and this theme keeps coming up throughout all of scripture. It's like if we were to borrow language from other writers to express the same idea, we might, for instance, choose Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2, verse 2a, where it says that we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. There you have this idea of eyes locked on Christ, and that he is performing a perfecting work in our lives. Not not. Per- sinless perfection in the in the here and now but ultimately a completing and um, transforming work that leads to glory so you have this language used all over scriptures where we behold God we behold Christ in his face in the in the in the pages of our scripture and that he affects this transforming work in this verse in second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 there are I think eight elements of biblical sanctification sort of fused together in quick short order that we've all covered already so this is sort of review for us this morning we see a universal intention but we all it's we believers all of us sanctification is not a second tier experience for some elite few christians like you would be led to believe if you were in many other churches they think that a lot of times sanctification is for those uber spiritual or uber zealous the over overachieving Christians among us who would ascend into a higher level of spiritual transcendence uh, through spirit baptism or ecstatic experience like speaking in tongues or, um, or having some kind of just spiritual catapult into some new phase of spiritual of, of Christian existence. That's not what Paul has in mind. He has in mind an experience that all of us share. It's a universal intention of God that we would all behold the face of our God it's an unveiled revelation you see that that god is not cloaking behind him something a secret or some unattainable or inaccessible secret to the christian life that was very high emphasis among higher life teachers that they would say you know the secret to christian life is this and they would kind of bait you in with this idea that there's something that some unbeknownst to any most of us that there'd be some secret revelation no there's an unveiled revelation there's an undistracted beholding. That is to say, he says it's like beholding yourself in a mirror or beholding God in a mirror. And that mirror language is used throughout scriptures. Oftentimes, what do we know is often associated with mirrors? Or how, what does what that image sort of point us to focus on? What's the mirror? Well, James 1 tells us it's, the mirror is God's own word. When we behold the face of God, behold God in him, the mirror of his word, in an undistracted way we behold something what is it what is the object of our beholding well we see an unequaled image the glory of the lord god's glory itself is being revealed to us from the pages of scripture and then we are the unceasing transformation is an ongoing transformation of being changed gradually continually incessantly over time it's a progression of transformation. We are being changed. That main verb is that main verb is like a wrecking ball to the other six models of sanctification that we looked at because this tells us that sanctification is to be expected over time, gradual, progressive, incremental by God's grace. We are to expect sanctification to happen in a over the course of a lifetime. You ever wonder why sometimes you tell a pastor, or, I remember being a kid, Telling my pastor about some campfire experience, campfire rededication, or some emotional experience I had at a, at a camp meeting or a Christian event. And I would tell him about how God really changed my life at that moment, at that time. I remember him looking at me and being somewhat surprised that he wasn't as excited as I was about that. And I, I, I said, It's because, I come to find out later, it's because pastors and men and, people and women who study the scriptures are taught by the scriptures. To not expect transformation to happen in events, in ex, 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 uh, events that suddenly cause great jumps and climbs and and vaults into new spiritual orders. They're taught that sanctification happens over the long sweep of time, through a long and consistent walk with Christ. So they were—he was trying to temper my excitement by the fact of, you know, you need to realize sanctification is going to take place over the long term. What you've learned now is great, but continue in the things you know and grow in faithfulness. And that's that's what sanctification teaches us: is a progression. It's not a punctiliary event that suddenly will help you transcend all the weaknesses of your human limitations, and you're just going to live like you're walking on glory land. Okay, you're not going to. That's that's language that's overinflated, and overblown. It's not biblical language. Okay, the ultimate intention is that you're changed into the same image. What image is that? I heard it. Someone said it. Image of who? Christ, right? We we are looked into, and here in this context, the same image is referenced back to the image of the glory of the Lord. And who is the glory of the Lord? Well, if you look at Hebrews chapter one, it says it's the Lord Jesus Christ who's the who's the express image of his of his brilliance, the glory of the Lord. Jesus Christ Himself is the manifestation of God in His glory we can look at the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you look at, you're in 1 Corinthians, look at 1 Corinthians, um, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians, I told you to go to 1 Corinthians, I meant 2 Corinthians, and chapter 4, and verse 6, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. When you behold Jesus and his and his excellencies in scripture you you read his accounts you look at those gospels you study them carefully and you compare your your life to his and you see his example and you see his his powerful outworking of his of his of his grace you see that that transfer that transforms you you're transformed into that same image just like romans eight twenty nine says that it was predestined by god that we'd be conformed into the image of his son so there's an ultimate intention, and there's an undeniable progression from glory to glory. So the sense the, the is here that you, in some of your translations might say, from one degree of glory to another, and that's an accurate representation of what's going on here. You, you are God's intention for you is to not remain fixed where you're at, but to grow in more likeness to him and, and, and holiness over time. And that has to be undeniable. By the way, if that's true... And if this verse is understood correctly, that means it, it, started at your sanctifi- it started at your justification. It's not a later event that you have to somehow wait and pursue and seek after. You got sanctification at the moment of your salvation. You began this work in you that will be completed at the, at the return of Christ. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that we're confident of this very thing, that he who began the work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So there's no category for a Christian that got justified or got saved but didn't get sanctified. There's no category like that. if you're a Christian at all, you're a sanctified one and are growing in, in, in holiness. there's transformation taking place even if it's small and incremental at first, it over time will become one undeniable progression from glory to glory and there's an undertaken conformity by that mean I mean God undertakes The role and responsibility to present you faultless before his throne with great joy. He's taking the responsibility of bringing you along in in your development and conforming to Christ. That's what he's meaning by this last phrase. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So you see these eight essential elements of biblical sanctification all laid out for us clearly in this passage. Um, We see... um, this whole idea of an uh, unveiled face. Before I, I get into this, I'm not going to spend the time to work through this. Um, there's some wonderful quotes that I wanted to share with you, though. I, I, gotta, I can't pass these. Um, so, Moses, you, re- you saw the reference in this passage, that we behold the glory of God with an unveiled face. A few verses earlier than this, Paul has been explaining that we, have been, we are now part of a better covenant than that of Moses, that he refers to Moses' covenant, the law, as a ministration of the letter, and that the letter of the law kills, it brings death, it was brought to us in letters of stone, and uses that to compare against this new and better covenant that God has given us in the person of Christ. Paul says that he and his companions are ministers of these uh, of this new covenant it's not written in the tablets of stone but it's instead written in the tablets the fleshly tablets the human tablets of the heart and that this covenant of the spirit brings life and transformation and even more glory than the old covenant did and in proving his point he hearkens back to this exodus chapter 20 34 verse 29 through 35 where It's told to us that Moses, when he came down from the mountain of Sinai, he had two tablets of testimony that were in his hands. Those were the Ten Commandments. And that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near. And he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him in the Mount Sinai. Now Moses, when he had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. And whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out, he spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded. And the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. Does that intrigue you at all that experience? That 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 that's interesting to me. That's fascinating. What would that have been like? I mean, in the old covenant you have one man, one guy who would behold the face of God, he would receive the revelation of God, and that just being in close exposure to that proximity of God's glory would literally transform the countenance of his face and his skin would scintillate with the transferred brilliance of the glory of God. Moses came as close to anyone as ever could to be speaking with him on Sinai and it visibly changed him on the outside appearance. The glory uh, of God on the face of Moses troubled the sons of Israel because they were afraid and would not approach him. Can you imagine seeing someone so brilliant and so radiant after spending time with the Lord that just the after effects of that glory were enough to frighten you. Moses would speak with them. Then, then, Then Moses would make sure that he spoke with them while his face was uncovered and that they witnessed the effect of the transformation of the glory of God. This was a lesson embedded in the Old Testament. When... He spoke with them. It was important. He said he thought it was important that they saw the transforming and communicable power of the Holy Spirit and the holiness of God that transforms. It's a powerful testament, testament to what pe- becomes of a people who steadfastly behold their God and attentively fix their eyes upon the Holy One of Israel so that in beholding glory, they too would become holy. Interestingly, we read that there was a specific times when Moses would place a veil over his face. One would be after he finished speaking to the people. So they would not see the fading glory of God on his face. They would not be able to look intently into that, as Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 3. And the second time is he would place the veil on his face immediately after he came out from speaking with God. Perhaps because it was so intense that it may have been too, too awful to behold. But in Hebrews 11.27, we're told that Moses forsook Egypt and um, had no fear of the wrath of Pharaoh because he endured as seeing him who is unseen. How is it that this beholding of God, how did it affect him? How did it transform? Well, it created in him grace for endurance, grace to p- persevere, because he saw him who is unseen. He saw the invisible. Now, this all sounds like quite quasi-pious and spiritual pietistic language, what does it actually mean to behold the face of God? Um, I looked, uh, several commentators were helpful to understand, help me understand this. Uh, Jeffrey Wilson says this, that whereas Moses alone was privileged to behold the glory of God with unveiled face, now all Christians may always gaze directly upon the full revelation of that glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Christ is central to your sanctification. He's not an accessory, he's not a sideline, he's not some kind of... um, you know, sideshow to the whole thing. He is the centerpiece of your sanctification. There's no sanctification without Christ. Um, he often gets relegated to the shadows or to, the, to, uh, to being a, um, a, you know, a complementary character in the drama rather than being the center stage. Uh, we are transformed into the image of God by beholding it, not reflecting it. J.I. Packer said it this way, he says, So it's not that we strain after feelings or experiences, but as we seek God himself, looking to him as our father, prizing his fellowship and finding in ourselves an increasing concern to know and please him, that the reality of the Spirit's ministry becomes visible in our lives. If you want to understand how sanctification takes place, it takes place primarily by beholding God's glory in the pages of his scripture, and the scripture affects the transformation work in your heart and life by re- adapting your heart and mind to think God's thoughts, to, to prize his fellowship, to look for his communion with him in the pages of his scripture to understand that in more greater ways. You cannot be a sanctified Christian without, the, without daily contact with the word of God with regular interactions, not just passing readings and, and superficial glances, but you've got to understand this, this truth. It's <clears throat> got to be embedded deeply into the heart, impressed greatly deeply into the soul. That's what transforms you. So much of sanctification teaching sometimes sets that aside in favor of experiences or feelings. Um, and and J.A. Packer recognized that here. He says that the not there are non-spiritual views of the spirit, which, so many today are floundering in because they've set aside the word. John Piper says, our task as pastors and counselors, and may I add Christians, <laughs> is to help people see the glory of grace in the face of Jesus. That's what the mission is every time someone stands to teach. The scriptures, is to set forth before the people the grandest and most glorious display of God's amazing brilliance in his scriptures through christ being presented and preached it's about that it's not about uh, anything beyond that and as people see that as christians see that they are revolutionized they're transformed not revolutionized they're transformed they're renewed is the better word scripture says that we are renewed in our minds when we uh, contemplate these things and uh, apply them in practice so there's a universal intention. We all, not just Moses, we all, with unveiled face, behold, as in a mirror. Uh, don't, take a, don't take for granted that the veil from your heart has been lifted. First, um, second Corinthians chapter three, verse 13, Paul saying that we are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened by that veil. For until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. And whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. If you have eyes to see this morning, if you, the eyes of your perception of your faith have been opened up, it, you can account that to the quickening of God's Holy Spirit in your life. He's made you alive and awake and alert to the truths of his word. That's why Jesus would indict the Pharisees and tell them, I speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see. Pharisees and people who are opposed to Christ, they cannot see. In fact, he told told Simon, he says, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Why? Because it can't. Flesh and blood has no capacity to perceive the glory of God. But the Father who in heaven reveals it. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says that a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolish to him, and he cannot understand them. It's not a matter of he will not, or he won't, or he's reluctant to, or that he denies them. He cannot. He has no capacity or ability to appraise them. And we couldn't either in our prior state before Christ. John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Tell that to a man who spent his entire life laboring in the Old Testament and being an esteemed and prestigious teacher among the people of Israel. Nicodemus, you're not even close. You can't get within a stone's throw. You can't even see it from where you're at. And neither can we, apart from Christ and the Holy Spirit's opening of our eyes, the awakening of our spirit at the moment of our salvation where things clicked. The light bulbs went on in our soul and we saw our need and I saw the preciousness of Christ. We beheld the glory of the Father. We beheld his glory, John 1 would say. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Unless God gives sight as well as light and enlighten both the organ, that is the eyes of your faith, and the object, Christ himself, we can see nothing. The fact that you are in faith today is a miracle of god's amazing revelation he opened to you the beauties of the of the glory of god to you we saw his glory and the glories of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth john testified about him and cried out saying this is he of whom i said he who comes after me he who comes after me has a higher rank than i for i he existed before me then he connects this all together for of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace speaking of the fact that when you look and behold god's glory grace is brought to you in the beholding of jesus in the scriptures the link between receiving life and changing grace and seeing the divine glory that is the seeing john piper says the looking the the spending prolonged time in the scriptures transforms grace abounds if you don't see the glory of christ grace doesn't abound that's what's being spoken of john was so utterly convinced of that and saying that and he said the same thing here that paul is affirming to us this morning beholding we are transformed that is there's a cause relationship between beholding and transformation and the conformity to the image of christ as it arises from beholding his glory must of course begin here in this body, now, today, we walk on this planet. This is not—we're not wasting time. We're biding our time till eternity. Now we behold the glory of God. It's not in its full and und und uh, distorted glory, but we see it nonetheless in the in Scripture. Um, for now, we see in a mirror dimly, Paul would say. But then, face to face. Now I know in part; then I will know f- fully. Even as I am fully known. Um, Charles Hodge, a great theologian, would say, "As the vision is imperfect, so is the transformation. Why do people not change? Why is it that we don't change? What's the significant primary hang-up behind why we don't change? It's Because you're not seeing Christ. You're not seeing him more as clearly as you need to. Your, your vision is dull. And how do you clarify that? What's the corrective lens that helps you behold the fuller glory of God and Christ? It's the, the, the clarification of your vision in scriptures. So many things here we could talk about this morning, but I, I think you're getting the general, general idea for this. That God's intention to transform us is by a fixed and steady gaze upon the scriptures. Transformation is impossible otherwise if you hope for change, if you wonder why people don't change, why, you, why situations in your life never seem to correct and never seem to improve and your sanctification seems hung up, it's because perhaps you have severed yourself from the mirror <laughs> and you're not seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And that's the primary reason. It's, it's, you say, that's a simple thought. Is it though? It's, it's, very, it's very profound to consider. The key, if there's any secret to sanctification. It really is no secret at all. The Bible was written for your, not just for your information, it was written for your transformation. And you need to recall, remember that. Being connected firmly to the scriptures, in daily invested and in exposed to it constantly, that is the driving transformative cause in your walk with sanctification. Lord, help us to not neglect the scripture and beholding the glory of God there. In it father thank you for your time that, that you gave us this morning to examine this topic I, I pray that you would just drill this into our under our hearts we are not what we are because we are not we are not what we should be because we have not beheld you we've not been transfixed our eyes have not been fixed on on you the author and finisher of our faith we've given careful consideration to so many other things and our hearts are pulled so many directions. Uh, we get so focused on ourselves that our eyes can no longer remain cast upon you. Lord, this is very practical, very helpful for us to consider. If sanctification is to occur at all, there needs to be a redirection of our focus back to the source of your glory. And that glory is the fullness of your grace is given to us. Grace upon grace in the person of Jesus Christ as we behold him in the scriptures. Teach us, Lord, for what this means and give us a grander vision of the glory of God. We pray this all in Christ's name.